This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to a brand new episode of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Eddie. I'm Pat. And I'm Andy. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries right here on Paranormal Dads. Oh my gosh, guys, here we are in Andy's cryptid den. We're back, and it's been a hot minute. And the jingle bells are ringing. Ooh! Well, they literally were a minute ago when Eddie made his grand appearance. <laughs> I did, uh, figuratively and literally. <laughs> so let me paint the picture. I'm totally telling everybody That's what okay. you did. That's okay. Eddie, me and Pat are sitting here uh, getting things set up. Eddie was on time, which means 15 minutes late. Dang it! <laughs> no, right on time for yeah, Eddie. So he comes in and he throws his uh, fanny pack on the floor and he literally drops his pants. And he's like, I'm here, guys. <laughs> yeah. And he's still yes, in his underoos, though. I still have my underwear on. That's always the case. If you're going to like play a joke on your friends and like either pants them or pants yourself, don't get overzealous and yank off everything. Cause then you, <laughs> no, that's, no. that's for another show. That's the Paranormal Dads After Dark. Exactly. Right. And listen, this is a Paranormal Dads. This is a show. We're all dads, but we're, we're fun dads having fun. Who doesn't ever <laughs> yank off their pants you around their blow buddies? blow off some steam once in a while. Right? He's like, that's people do, do that, right? That's normal. That's semi-normal. That's a normal human thing. Uh, real quick, I am kind of like breaking the fourth wall here, Andy, but that microphone you have has a giant dent oh, in it. Oh, dude, the top. this <laughs> microphone has seen better <laughs> It is the tip. That's the best part. That looks so beat up. So for I know listeners can't see this, but I took this out to Yellow River State Forest to do some recording. <laughs> Did the dog man find it and just say, screw your podcast? <laughs> I took it out to Yellow River State Forest. And I was recording with uh, with Craig and Matt, and I, I tucked it in a blanket, and I put it in my travel bag to take home because I didn't want it to get hurt. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm going to forget this thing is wrapped in a blanket, and I'm going to go to do laundry, and it's going to fall on the floor. That's what my intuition told me. So what did I do? I said, ah, eh, it'll be fine. Put it in the car, get home, start doing laundry, and I pull out the blanket and unfold it, and I hear, dink. I look on the floor, and it's my dented microphone. So the mesh tip yeah. got bent in. Yeah. And... Uh, but it still works. Like well, it didn't so now you know specifically quality. where to talk into. It's, it's, just... it's an it's a innie, not an Audi anymore. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, well, it's going to catch a lot of dirt. It'll just catch the... that sound coming in. It's like a little cone. <laughs> it's so funny. I looked over and I just see this perfectly, like someone took their knuckle and just mashed it right into that microphone like it was made out of foam. But it is not. It's metal. Yeah, that's what happens when you drop a microphone from three feet high on the concrete is. floor. That'll do it. Yeah. Wow, that is a dent. Anyway, we are back. We're, we're in front of microphones, too. We're a little dented, but we're not broken. And uh, I'm excited. Pat hinted at it. We are recording uh, uh, post-Thanksgiving, right? Uh, not right before, but before Christmas. And so we're pumped. I mean, I, this is my favorite time of year, hands down. No, it is. I mean, it's it kind of, you know, that divide between the spooky season and the magical season of Christmas. But even as, you know, as we'll kind of get into on next episode, even the magic of the Christmas season comes with some spooky undertones. Sure. Yeah, there's... 
plenty of it. If, if you look for it, it, it's all over the place, really, with that. Holiday. Yeah, and we'll get into that some more on the next episode, but we can talk about that next episode. Now, we're going to kick off this episode with Recent Sighting. Okay, recent sightings. A Harvard professor, Avi Loeb, to scour the ocean floor north of Australia for crashed alien technology. Yeah! Uh oh. Christmas ghosts. Yeah. Christmas ghosts. Christmas <laughs> aliens. I aliens. Scuba aliens. Man, they're my favorite kind. So, this is actually from the New York Post uh, last month, November 16th. Um, a Harvard professor believes in alien spacecraft. May have crashed uh, to North Australia's north about ten years ago, and he's planning an expedition to retrieve the object from the floor of the Pacific Ocean. Wow! So uh, the astrophysicist Avi Loeb uh, claimed the object streaked across the sky off the coast of Papua New Guinea in 2014, and um, it was he believes it was actually some sort of a spacecraft. Uh, the U.S. Space Command, which is that that new recently new agency, um, reported uh, a report from the Space Command released earlier this year, found that the object was interstellar, meaning it came from another star system. That may that itself makes it unusual, um, but they also concluded it was simply a meteor. Of course, uh, Professor Loeb is chair of the Harvard University's astronomy department and head of the Galileo project, which, which is searching for evidence of advanced alien technology. And he insists it could have been built by extraterrestrials. Mm -hmm. uh, Loeb says his team is planning an expedition to Papua New Guinea. I just like saying that, Papua New Guinea. Right. Uh, I, uh, I never know whether to say Papua New Guinea, New Guinea or Papua New Guinea. Papua? I've, it, I've always heard. I've always heard. Papau. 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 New Guinea. <laughs> Papua, New Guinea. I, I'm not. I'm not. And I'm not sure how to say. It. You're. You're probably now. We've either ruined, way, we've ruined him. Now he's going to be like pa 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 pa. So what they're going to do is actually scoop the ocean floor with a magnet to figure out the composition of this object, and uh, the fundamental question is whether it was an unusual rock from another star or was it a spacecraft. They're going to redneck fish for this thing. You see those guys with those magnets on the end of a fishing pole? Like, yeah. oh, darn, I found me a Rolex. You know, they, they, they literally, like, check out the bottoms of lakes. You've seen this. Pat's yeah, yeah. nodding. I haven't seen that. Oh, gosh, there's people whose hobbies. They get these giant, like, neodymium magnets, like super powerful magnets, and they're, like, the size of a hockey puck. And they put them on the end of a fishing line and go down and be like, come up and... I found grandma's teeth. You probably know, probably some fish down there with a fish hook stuck in his jaw. <laughs> exactly. and he gets I'll... stuck to the magnet. Oh, dude, it's crazy. They probably gets come caught up with anyway. mostly fishing hooks, I imagine. They catch a lot of weird stuff, <laughs> believe it or not. So iPhone, sunglasses, just everything under the sun. But yeah, I just picked that's basically the same thing. You know, they got, you know, just a bigger magnet. So uh, Loeb revealed the mission was on track for a March or April 2023 launch. Oh, my so gosh. Not too very far, far off. Is his assumption that it's interstellar, I mean, that it's an extraterrestrial aircraft only because it's interstellar, or is there more? Well, the the thing that really got him uh, onto this topic was the discovery of Aumuamua. Aumuamua! I knew Aumuamua so, was going to come back yeah, up. So that, of course, is the football field size object. It's a cigar-shaped object 
that went through our solar system in 2017. Uh-huh. We've talked about it on the show before. Yep, we have a whole episode to it. Uh, for it. In a controversial 2019 paper, Loeb speculated, <laughs> speculated that Oumuamua's unusual trajectory and the shape suggested it was neither a comet nor an asteroid, but possibly an alien probe. There's been more stuff that's come out about Oumuamua. You're probably going to touch on this, so I'm going to shut yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> actually cruising just past Pluto right now, yeah. and uh, it won't be completely out of interstellar space for another two years, but it's it's just now leaving our galaxy, yeah. so, our, our solar system. More and more already near Pluto? Yeah. yeah. Just a few years. That thing's cooking. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's cruising. Oh, it accelerated <laughs> as it was leaving. See, it accelerated, and they said they said astrophysicists, astronomers, people who study these things, were like the crazy part. The more that they analyzed it, and this is where like mainstream scientists hate this, and I get it because it's fun to poop on things apparently. But the uh, trajectory, everything about it, the angle, the way it like turned around and went the other way, and the fact that it accelerated without losing any of its mass. So they're like the only way anything can go faster is either there's a fuel source. Someone's literally stomping on the gas like Andy does, drives like a maniac. I've seen him. <laughs> and um, Or a piece of it broke off, lightening the load, so it would end up kind of speeding up. But it didn't, get, it didn't lose any of its size, but it started speeding up. So, yeah, the more that they analyzed all this data that they, that they have picked up from Oumuamua, the more they're like, this thing is a, not an, a uh, naturally occurring thing. Anyway. I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says, my other car is a Muamua. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I break for uh, no meteors. <laughs> Actually, I was going to get a, for real, I was going to get a bumper sticker or a window decal made up that says, my other car is the mothership. That's amazing. <laughs> you should. So Loeb found that actually four years before Muamua, there was a uh, meteor that was discovered by the U.S. government, which disintegrated into the lower atmosphere of Earth about 100 miles off the coast of Papua New Guinea, uh, and it came from outside the solar system. So I believe that's yeah. what he's actually going for. Okay. But, uh, Loeb said his student wrote a paper about their discovery, uh, but were instructed not to publish it because they used classified government data for their research. Hmm. So uh, while Loeb believes aliens exist or have existed somewhere in the universe, he doesn't think actual contact with biological creatures will happen in this uh, expedition. So be cool if it did, though. Yeah. You never know, Navi. You're going to sit there and find a... We all saw the abyss. We know what happened. Ed <laughs> Harris goes down there, has to breathe water, <laughs> sees an alien UFO, climbs inside, and they're all like, you know, floating jellyfish with faces. We just send Sigourney Weaver down there with them. Everything will be fine. Exactly. Your alien She'll dream team. Yeah. So... Or Jodie Foster if they're nice, <laughs> right? So yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. These guys are going to go down the bottom of the Pacific Ocean off Papua or Papua New Guinea, and if you want, go ahead and uh, send us a sound drop of you saying Papua or Papua or Papua. however it's said Papua <laughs> New Guinea. Let's hear how it's said. Yeah, there's that. I, I also, I mean, you said that they're on track for an April or May uh, launch on the uh, March or April. March yeah. or April. That would be really fascinating to stay strapped in and just figure out where they're, you know, what they find. And they know right where it's at. Uh, yeah, I guess he's got a. I well, I, I shouldn't say right where it's at. It's a six square mile region of Pacific Ocean. They're okay. they're uh, interested in studying six square. So still a pretty good size That's area that he's got to cover. 
though he did promise uh, the curator of the Museum of Modern Art in New York City that if they find anything at the bottom of the ocean, he'll bring it in for display in New York. Huh. So. There you go. Future trip. I hear the voice of Indiana Jones. It belongs in a museum. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> I think about this kind of thing where, A, you go to this thing to find something, clearly. Like, you you know, there's a, you know, we witnessed it. It's recorded. They know roughly where they're going to go. But six square miles of Pacific Ocean is still a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. And how long is the expedition for? Like, uh, I didn't say. So <sighs> I would imagine, you know. What are they just going to? I, I, I do forth? know. Uh, I think I saw somewhere he he had he's raised like one point five million dollars to do this. Okay. So I mean he'll have a little time to get it done, but uh, are they going to use like sonar and just scan that six square miles, almost like you mow your yard, just back and forth and back and forth? Uh, I would imagine they're using some kind of sonar, you know, to kind of track where they've been. But they are using magnets, yeah. some kind of a magnetic device to try to, uh, you know, just dredge the bottom of. Of, of the ocean and, and see what comes up. He'd be an interesting guy to follow on social media and just kind of, as it gets closer, see what they find. And, uh, I mean, what if they find stuff. like the Millennium Falcon down there or uh-huh. something? I mean, how crazy <laughs> is that? Would that be? And you get kind of bummed too because, like, with these kinds of things, you do wonder, unless you're there with, you know, and we should probably go at this point, guys. Like, but, like, unless you're on the boat. You know, and there when they see it, you just wonder when they. I, I, I say when they. This shows you how skeptical, how like how nice and moderated I am. When they find the aliens, <laughs> when if and when they see what they see down there, it has to. It goes through so many other hands and eyeballs before anybody else would see. You know, like that's controlled information at that point. I'm certainly hoping they have a Discovery Channel crew with them right <laughs> when they do this thing. Yeah, that's you got to be filming because that's that just cries out for a Discovery Channel special. It screams of uh, the Curse of Oak Island, yeah, like where it's like they have all this money, they have this stuff, they're ready to go, and like they the financing all gets burned up, and they almost they find a chunk of something, you know, they find a tail fin or a brake light off of a <laughs> off of a little speeder from the from the UFOs, and I. I, I I love this stuff. I just hope that they find something that can kind of either justify a continued thing, or they get lucky and they just you know find something immediately. That that'd be great. All right. That is fresh too. That's hot and fresh. It is. Talk about recent. Well done, man. Maybe we'll do a follow up if they actually find something. Well, yeah, and also, what was his name again? Uh, Avi Avi Loeb. Okay. Well, there you go. You look him up on the all socials. He's an astrophysicist from uh, what was it? Harvard, <laughs> Harvard right? Harvard, I believe. Harvard. They're throwing some Harvard stuff at yeah. it. That's kind of exciting. So yeah, Avi Loeb. Maybe we could find him on, well, Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and just follow him and see what happens as they go and do this. All right. And thank you to the New York Post for that update. It's time for pop culture and the paranormal. All right, guys, for pop culture and the paranormal, you know, and it's always interesting to do this segment because there's so many different branches of pop culture. Oh, yeah. There's toys, there's music, there's movies, shows, mm-hmm. books. Collectibles. Collectibles. There's trendy things on social media. But I, I got to thinking the other day, and I was thinking, okay, what's what's pop culture? Well, the internet is, you know, at the, you know, right at the precipice of, of pop culture. Oh, so, sure, so I sure. found I found this article. It's called the five, five of the most haunted items ever sold on eBay. Oh, oh fun. 
And I know we've touched on similar things in the past, but not not this particular the cursed article. artifacts, cursed artifacts, and whatnot. Of course, you know sometimes the paranormal's in the eye of the beholder. So uh, some hey. people claim hogwash. You know, it's a you know these these uh, items are not haunted. It's just the owner's active imagination. You know, but other people are like, no, these these items were bought and sold on eBay, and they have a dark dark history. And the first one. We're gonna we're gonna throw up this article in the show notes for everyone to see. So click on that if you want to see some of the images here. But the the first one is a it's called disturbing painting, and uh, this is known as the haunted eBay painting, uh, and it's called the hands resist him. Uh, it's a work from artist Bill Stoneham based on a real life photograph of the artist from around the time he was five years old, and it depicts a young boy and a doll in front of a glass door with disembodied hands in the background. Whoa. Hmm. A California couple found the painting in an abandoned brewery, but in February of 2000, not long after they'd brought it home, they listed it on eBay with a dire warning to buyers, which said, this painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. They claim their daughter told them that the boy and girl from the painting would fight with each other at oh. night. <laughs> oh. The ad also mentioned that at one point the boy seemingly exited the picture, which is when they decided to sell it. And it sold for <laughs> $1,025 to Kim Smith, who is a gallery owner from Michigan. And in an interview, she revealed that she's received emails from people who claim that they were repulsed or became physically ill just by viewing a photo of the painting. Huh. Here. Now, you guys have seen it, too. So if, oh, yeah. if any three of us uh, become huh. a little queasy, bothered, bothered. It, it almost looks like a photo yeah, of, of yeah. two kids yeah. rather than just a painting. It's weird because it almost looks like a hybrid between like a photo and a painting. But uh, and, and the allegation is that the things will change in the painting. Things will change. Like the boy will walk off the picture and do his own That's thing. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's pretty creepy stuff. Here. So see someone him hop down off the wall and go running across your living room floor. Once oh. again, dude. Once again. Yeah. No, I couldn't handle that. I would faint. I would faint right there. The cat would be like, "See ya. I'm out of here." The cat wouldn't even go for it. Like, Man, you leaving little paint footprints on my carpet. Got your ghost boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. It's like the ring. You know, remember the movie The Ring when just watching the video of that. Just VHS watching it haunted you. Yeah, and, like oh, messed gosh. you up. Oh, that ending, man. Uh, out uh, TV. The next one, uh, haunted thing sold on eBay, the uh, Dubuck or Dubuque box. Dubuque. Not a town in Iowa, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Spelled D I B B U K. Ooh. And this container looks innocent. And it's basically, uh, if you could imagine, it's, it's almost like a brown uh, trunk or cabinet, if you could imagine that. And it says, this container looks innocent enough, but it's far from it. According to the owner's lengthy product description, a, a debuck or debuck is a term from Jewish folk folklore that describes a dead person's soul Ooh. that is stuck in purgatory. Uh, supposedly, it can inhabit an object or the body of a living person. Mm. Now, the seller claimed that he bought it from an estate sale in Oregon and was specifically told never to open it, which he did anyways. Yeah. Of course, rebel. Yeah. Intending to refinish it, he kept the box in the basement of his workshop, and when his assistant said that he heard noises coming from the basement and that all the lights had gone out, he investigated and found all the light bulbs had been smashed and the basement reeked of cat urine. Oh, bad kitty. And he never owned a cat, (laughs) and his terrified assistant never returned to work again. Uh, not associating any of the odd incidents with the box, he gave it to his mother as a gift. Oh, Oh. man, happy... 
and Cat she is Im- Christmas. And she immediately suffered a major stroke, poor oh. lady. Oh. And in the hospital, check this out. In the hospital, post stroke, she wrote out uh, the letters H A T E G I F T, hate gift. Uh, with the box in his possession once again, he hey, began having terrible, reoccurring nightmares and then discovered that everyone in his family was having the same exact nightmare. Ah. Man, I'd just be going straight to the transfer station, just drop that sucker right off Exactly. There. When he started seeing shadowy figures around the house, he decided the box had to go. Uh, the owner's tale of the debuck box inspired the 2012 horror film called The Possession. He's like, Mama, what'd you think of the gift I bought you? (laughs) Hate gift? Oh, you misspelled the word eight. (laughs) I'll get you seven more, I promise. (laughs) No. Yeah, that's that's when you uh, smash that thing to smithereens. So it's just like a little box? Yeah, here, I'll I'll show you a little picture. It's like a little storage box. It's just kind of like a brown, almost looks like a trunk. Yeah, it looks kind of creepy, though. I never heard of such a thing. Uh, Jewish folklore, apparently. There's a lot of interesting paranormal like stories and even creatures uh, with some uh, ancient like Jewish folklore. Talk about a bummer object to get your soul attached to, though. Just a trunk. I know, right? I don't want to be like in a Ferrari or something. Right, an Optimus Prime figure or something cool. You know, (laughs) (laughs) sitting around in the attic. I know, right? Here I am. A trunk, a box, (laughs) or I'd be a dented microphone. (laughs) 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 You leave my microphone out of this, man. (laughs) It still works fine. Thank you very much. Not the shape that matters; it's sound quality. (laughs) Oh, denty. (laughs) Well, here's the next item. Uh, Check out. Take a look at this. Oh Lord, is that carved out of something weird? Yeah, it's it's a carving. It looks like a wood carving of a little boy, uh, black, kind of sunken in eyes. Uh, Looks really, just looks really sad. Yeah, looks like someone took a a log and just carved a person out of it or something. Yeah, it looks sad. Looks really creepy. Uh huh. All right. It it says this sold on eBay in uh, 2013. The seller claimed that the carving had been in the family for over 60 years. Oh. The seller's grandparents found the statue in the attic of their West Virginia home in the 1950s. And when they asked the original homeowners where it came from, uh, they learned it was a gift from a prisoner who had carved it. According to the seller's description, anyone who comes in contact with it seems to feel strange or creeped out by it. Uh, strange occurrences began when the seller took the carving out of its uh, storage box and displayed it in a cabinet. Um, it says, I began to experience the television turning off and on, lights coming on in rooms that nobody was in, uh, the kids' toys coming on in the middle of the night um, in their room at 3 a.m., and despite the item's haunted history, it sold for $85. Huh. <laughs> That's a bargain when you're buying a haunted doll. <laughs> um and then there's this equally creepy looking thing. Yeah. That's like when someone's like, I'm going to take up wood carving. And you're like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it should do anything else. <laughs> it's a statue. And uh, I don't know, the, the eyebrows look kind of painted on, uh, kind of red full lips. Kind of a lifeless expression from this face. Kind of like on, a bust of some somebody, you know, shoulder and head. And yeah, shoulder and head, almost like a bust. But then on their chest. kind on, of face. Yeah, yeah, the face does look squashed. And on their chest is carved the word future. Hmm. Huh. All right. So yeah, the says, face looks like something you'd see on a totem pole or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and it almost looks like burnt or like it just looks kind of mangled. Yeah, yeah not a lot of craftsmanship no. in that, by the way. Was... He works in a mine. <laughs> but this destructive <laughs> statue, it was auctioned in October 2013 
and it says, This folk art bust was made by a man named William who enjoyed making sculptures out of unhardened clay. Okay, so it's, maybe it's clay. According to the item's description, William made this particular statue on the day that he was crushed to death during a tragic work accident at a brickyard. Mm. A co-worker Ooh. saw that the statue was still at the job site when he arrived the next day, so he took it home with him. Mm-mm. While nothing strange happened for a few months, things took a turn when he took it out of storage to display it in his den. A few days later, the den felt heavy and uninviting. He began hearing doors slam on their own, only to find them wide open. Uh, decorations that were next to the statue shattered on their own, and Ooh. at one point, he found the statue facing the other side of the wall, even though he had never moved it. Uh, to make matters worse, he then saw a dark shadow or mist as he was walking past the den one night. Completely spooked, he begged his friend to sell it for him, uh, and then that friend put it on eBay. Doesn't say how much it sold for, but... There you go. Man who loved sculpting but lacked any real talent. <laughs> Selling. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now I'm going to get haunted. <laughs> it's gonna That's show what I was going to say. It's like, don't don't quit your day job <laughs> yeah, I until know. I found out he got killed on his day job. Like, oh, no. He did quit his day job. No. Being alive. Oh. God bless that's you. A, yeah, that's interesting. Future, by the way. That's yeah, kind I don't, of odd. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. But, yeah, doll. a lot of dolls on here. Check out this doll, guys. It almost looks like evil Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah, <laughs> look at that. With the, like with Barbie the doll looking sinister thing. eyebrows, and, and this little doll has uh, kind of like a blue dress. A uh, bad blonde, lipstick job. Bad lipstick, blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. It's not Barbie, it's Burby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, nightmare doll is what oh, it's called. Oh, That's appropriate. Here, kid, have a nightmare doll. <laughs> that was a Pat's, what could go wrong? That was Pat's alter ego name <laughs> when he was in a goth band in high school. <laughs> nightmare doll. Nightmare doll. <laughs> it says the doll may look like any other, but according and first of all, no, it doesn't. It doesn't look like any other doll. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm gonna stop you right there. Article. It looks like any other doll with giant angry eyebrows and. <laughs> <laughs> and a knife in its hand. <laughs> the doll may look like any other, but according to the seller... Oh, it's another one of these uh, debuck things. Or, oh, or man. Debuck. Uh, just like the aforementioned box. Uh, the seller, who specializes in selling paranormal items that people don't want anymore, says the doll's owner uh, bought it at an antique shop and was told that it was a debuck, but didn't know about didn't know what the word meant. Uh, soon after, whenever she would open the box, it uh, it came in or touched the doll. She would suffer from terrifying nightmares of shadow people, mm. and this continued for several months and t- until her son took it and uh, sold it, and it sold for seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. Not fifty a, cents. Not fifty. Seventeen forty nine. It's not a good. That's not a good markup on the haunted dolls. <laughs> yeah. You took a bath on that one. And it's I, interesting. You could sell anything for forty nine cents. In this day and age, I mean, in I don't know when that was sold. In the seventies, you'd buy it, but uh, yeah, past twenty years or so, you don't use pennies anymore. Pennies? <laughs> what are those? <laughs> Half cent. Things I don't get rid of because I don't want to send the universe the message that I don't want money. But I hold on to them like, oh, pennies. So I don't know if I was pronouncing that Jewish word correctly or not. I apologize if any Jewish listener is. Probably, like, I'm, he's mispronouncing that. Debuck, debuke, dibuck. I don't, I don't know how to say it. But. Uh, we're, we're, this is the Papua New Guinea again. <laughs> but yeah, I would say if anyone knows a correct pronunciation, give us a shout. That'd be great to hear. Would you guys buy anything ha- like allegedly haunted on eBay? I'm not sure. I mean, 
you could take it with a grain of salt. You could, you know, raise a skeptical eyebrow. I don't know if I would chance it. Like, yeah, I, I don't think I would. I would. Here we go. I'm going <laughs> to do it like that. Yeah. At this point, why not? Like, it's like, I know this is where it's like such a mixed bag. But I feel like in some ways, I want to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. I mean, not to the point to where I'm, you know, possessed and cutting off my own fingers. <laughs> Eddie wakes <laughs> you know? up and the doll's on his chest, holding him at night <laughs> point. <laughs> holding a mic up to my mouth. You need to record more podcasts. <laughs> Thank you, doll. Uh, what if it was like a like a possessed doll, but instead of being like murderous and like with, with malintent, it's just kind of like a little bit of a jerk, you know? It's just like, <laughs> hey man, you didn't uh, pay your half of the rent last time. Whatever, I'll get it to you when I got it. You know how it works. So it's like this doll's a real jerk, man. I can't get him to pay his half of things. Almost like an elf on the shelf. It just it just does naughty random things and turns up in different places. <laughs> exactly. It's like mooning you the next morning. Exactly. Yeah. I wake up with his little butt cheeks in my face. I'm like, oh man. <laughs> Hershey's kiss on the bed, like an actual Hershey's kiss. Like, oh, he's trying to send me a message. Little droppings. Like, no. Gotta get your haunted doll a litter box, Eddie. Oh, I know, right? No, but the idea of haunted artifacts, isn't there that haunted museum in Ohio from uh, Ed and Lorraine? There's haunted museums pretty much yeah, in every they, state. they've got them. Uh, Greg and Dana Newkirk have one that, that travels around quite a bit. Heck, there's one in Omaha now. Yeah, there? I think there's... Uh, and there one down Platte City or someplace. It like was. That they too? moved that one Did out to them? downtown Omaha okay. now. Yeah, it was there. Okay. But yeah, I mean, I'd be tempted, I guess, on some level. But I, on the same token, I would also be like, it feels very gremlin-y to me. Like, man, I got something. Don't open it. <laughs> Don't touch it. Don't look at it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. But it would be kind of fun to have a thing that you owned that has a, a lore attached to it, maybe. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm I'm gonna say maybe. You know, we'll see. I mean, truth be told, any as long item as it's not can, a chainsaw, right? A chainsaw, a, a haunted chainsaw. chainsaw. It's covered in like <laughs> dried blood. It's like, <laughs> like this might be haunted. <laughs> May might be. I mean, technically, any item can hold energy from the past. I mean, right? You know, I have some family heirlooms that are a couple hundred years old. They probably have some energy. Oh, sure. But, you know, from the past, haunted or not, it still has energy—good, bad, or indifferent. It seems so. like dolls are a big hit. Yeah. Like, yeah, like even like the boxes or jewelry boxes or just storage type items. It, it'd be funny to see if there was some stuff that was just kind of weird, like like haunted toilet plunger or. Uh, <laughs> That thing's seen some ghosts. Well, speaking of dolls, I keep asking my daughter Sky what she wants for Christmas this year, and her answer was she she told me she looked me dead in the eye and she's like, "I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't want anything having to do with dolls." Oh, <laughs> she's like don't get me dolls, Ooh. no dolls, no dolls of any kind. Buy her one of those. Done with the dolls. <laughs> no. Here you go. It's car. It's sculpted out of undried clay and says <laughs> the word future on it. <laughs> You'll love it. Yeah, I remember my girls when they were, you know, about Sky's age. They were, because she's about, no, she's six. She's eight. Yeah. Eight. Yeah, time flies, man. Elise was obsessed with this doll line. You might remember this called Monster High. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were just so excited about that whole Monster High. It was like a kind of an anime look to them a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of a stylized look to them. But they had like each each doll had its own like paranormal kind of like thing. Like there was like the, the vampire one and the werewolf one and the creature from the Black Lagoon one. And so she was all about those dolls. But yeah, eventually you have a you know a shelf full of dolls. I should talk. I have all these He-Man action figures looking at me. That's what we need is a, a haunted Skeletor coming down. <laughs> Get wrecked up, Skeletor, you jerk. No, I I probably would be tempted at least to maybe I don't know like a little 
a little curio thing, like a haunted paperweight or something. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm going to tell Jill. Give her a little uh, put a bug go. in her ear for the holiday seat. It's not too late to get some Christmas shopping done for Eddie. Yeah. I think we have that haunted Ouija board up on the, <laughs> up <did>. on the <laughs> already. <laughs> I'm scared to touch yeah, that, that thing. Yeah, that thing was creepy looking. It looks creepy. You get a doll, yeah. you're going to find your Ouija board on the floor and slightly played with, you know what I mean? Oh, I wake up, the doll has another circle of dolls around the Ouija board. The Ouija <laughs> elf board on the shelf is right there. <laughs> the elf on the shelf is in the middle. The Ouija board's like cut up to look like a pentagram. I'm like, something's up. <laughs> I don't know what it is around this house, but something's amiss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, there was a uh, pop culture and the paranormal. Up next, we have the main mystery. Ooh, it's me. I'm up. And our fearless leader, the Podfather, is up for this one. Get your coats. Put them on. We're going to need them for our expedition to the Antarctic. Ooh. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, Pat. Yes. Andy. Yes, sir. Good friends, brothers, if you will, paranormal brothers at arms. If I was to tell you right now, think in your brain right now, pyramids, what places pops into your brain, geographically speaking? Egypt. Sure. Um, Like Mexico. There you go. Aztecs. And that's been a fairly newer one, right? We knew there were some, some of those pyramidal structures, but now even in like the Amazon rainforest, we're seeing actual pyramids that we thought this whole time were were covered up were just dirt mounds they're actually pyramids and uh, through lidar scanning which i do in my day job speaking of day jobs uh, aerial lidar scanning has revealed these hidden pyramids huge pyramids in the rainforests which has begged the question to archaeologists both mainstream and not maybe a little more fringy where are there more pyramids and there's even been discoveries of underwater pyramidal structures off the coast of japan Shout uh, out to Atlantis. Little Atlantis tip of the hat. <laughs> but even the, uh, uh, the Japan pyramids, there's these stone steps that are like carved. I heard about those. Yeah, it's crazy. Off the coast of Japan, or not of Japan, but an island off the coast of Japan, if you go not far into the water, there are these 90-degree cut steps, and they're huge. They're not like little guys. Like made for a giant. They look almost made like for a giant, but they're symmetrical in their design, like a step would be for a, like like what we would do, but carved into the stone. So this notion of um, pyramids all over the world, in fact, uh, there's a lot of earthen mounds uh, discovered in North America that, mm-hmm. once again, thought to be a natural, well, that's weird, but it turns out, no, it's actually a, a man-made um, earth pyramid. Uh, mostly, I think in Ohio, there's one, hmm. uh, a couple of them. So... Through uh, not just through Google Earth, but also uh, through an expedition to the Antarctic uh, back in the early 1900s, there was a, a kind of playfully named structure called the Antarctic Pyramid by some British explorers. And it turns out now through the glory of Google Earth, you can look at this and there is a looks to be and it is a two kilometer square. And this is where it gets really interesting because um, this First of all, it is a square. It's 90 degrees, 90 degrees. And when you measure it, it is two kilometers square. Okay. And, one, and one kilometer is, is half a, a little over half a mile. 0.6 miles is one kilometer. So this sucker is, you know, 1.2 miles square. So that's a big pyramid. The idea, so modern-day geologists, so, so well, I'll just get to this. We're going to be discussing the pyramid of the Antarctic on today's main mystery. 
So the idea here is that um, there is a strategic placement of pyramids that uh, archaeologists and even um, ancient alien theorists and people like us have explored. And they've noticed, I say they, all these people have noticed um, um, astrological alignments with these pyramids, uh, specifically the Great Pyramids, but also even some of these mound structures in uh, countries like Malta, Scotland, Ireland, uh, England with Stonehenge very much lined up with um, different astrological type things. A lot of things is like Gemini, uh, the dog star, was it Sirius? Yeah. Sirius, yep. And so all of these uh, ancient sites tend to be lined up um, um, astrologically. This uh, Arctic pyramid, because it's only one right now they can only see, they don't quite understand how its relationship would be to the other pyramids. But the theory behind this is that if this is being one of the larger ones, would be a quote-unquote master pyramid that was constructed. And there's a whole other thing we'll talk about. We're getting back to um, Nikolai Tesla, where he had a deep understanding of the technology of pyramids, that there is an active living theory that the pyramids could be a power generation structure. It's like infrastructure. It's not meant to be some magical thing. It's meant to actually generate, hear me out, low-level electricity. And that it would broadcast that electricity into the ionosphere and create kind of a web or network of wireless power that you could tap into. Um, so the idea being that uh, this could be tied to that and that if you had these all pyramids networked, they'd all be broadcasting this power. So the problem here is the Antarctic is super remote and super cold. And the idea is how in the world would any ancient people build anything there? Here we go. Core samples taken in 2017. So this is not a long time ago. This is like a muamua times. Yeah. Um, German geologists went on an expedition in the Antarctic and did had a special deep sea, uh, a seabed style of coring drill that took deep samples of the, not just the ice, but the, the uh, earth and all that down, going far, far down. I don't know exactly how far down they went, but they went super deep. They had exposed on the different core samples, lots of ice, ash, rocks, more ice. Then they came into a whole rich, fertile plant layer, uh, 60 different species of plants. And all of that different uh, flora basically uh, emulates what would look like northern Italy now, hmm. like warm, temperate. In the Antarctic? Antarctic. It's crazy. That, that, that those species of plants could not grow in ice. Okay, and that's there. Like that's but not it was, even, because it was so many layers deep. You're looking back in history. Back in history before Antarctic was such. The idea that it might be up to eighteen thousand years ago, okay. and this is kind of getting mm. back to this notion that humanity and civilization could be, in fact, my opinion, much older than what mainstream scientists think. Uh, so you have this actual measurable thing. Okay, so there's been core samples taken, and not just one. They took them all over this area that they measured out in the Antarctic. The 60 different uh, plant species that would not grow in those conditions. That must have been a heck of a drill. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? They showed this. Go and that deep? You can go. Uh, this is where Google, if you want, Antarctic Pyramid uh, Drilling Rig, and it shows you this thing. It looks like a giant I like, mean, oil Just to get rig. through the permafrost. I, I assume that's the right term to yeah. use. But there you go. that frozen ground, it's got to be... Oh, yeah. 
yeah. terrible to try to get through. Yeah, and it's just like what you've seen uh, to invoke the show that we've watched a whole bunch of, uh, The Curse of Oak Island. I mean, the way these kind of core samples work is that as they're drilling, there's another separate bit to the side that's actually capturing and coring as it goes along. So these drill tips are all, you know, so specially made and hardened and coated and all sorts of things that allow them to go there. But you're, you know, you're swapping out drill bits. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're five thousand, six thousand years deep. We got to pull this out, put a new bit on here. Yeah. This thing's root. Um, Can't just run off to Lowe's and get a new bit either. I plan on pulling sixty core samples from the uh, ice bed of Antarctica. I need to buy a lot of drill bits. <laughs> you're walking out with all of them. Um, so to add to this lore, so this is now we're on the more scientific side of it. There is this structure. And this is where I know geologists, they love chance. That's the part of this is Eddie's rant on, on, on mainstream science. science. Mainstream science. Mainstream science. I love the idea. Everything from a Moa to uh to papa papa new guinea uh to even stuff like this is like they always rely on random chance you know they're always like well that's really weird anyway back to normal life you know and it's like why is there a pyramidal structure that looks very much like a pyramid it measures up the same dimensions all four sides at the bottom you know and uh, that in and of itself would be maybe enough reason to go there. And they're like, or we don't. And we just shrug our shoulders and pretend everything is fine. So I think that's interesting. But on the science side, you have, it exists. It measures up pretty, pretty interesting. And now we have core samples that kind of show that the environment of um, Iceland at one point in time was not all ice. Okay. Um, here's another thing. Polynesians over in like uh, New Zealand, uh, Tasmania, Australia, um, and in that whole area, the lore of their people, of those people, is that their ancestors came from uh, Antarctica. Like, really? Yeah. Where do we oh. come from? We came from a landmass that way. Hmm. And so then you take all of this with, uh, there is a book published in 1956 by a geologist named by the name of Charles Hapgood. And Charles Hapgood proposed the theory of pole shifts and said that, that, that there was evidence in Earth's geologic history that we had a pole shift. And that pole shift would result in a, a climate change of and potentially even a geographic shift a little bit of certain continents, and one of them being Antarctica. And uh, the idea being that he, in his book, uh, uh, The Earth's Shifting Crust, uh, he proposed a theory that 18,000 years ago, uh, Antarctica was a little bit closer to New Zealand and also had a much more temperate climate. So That's when it. it was nice, people were building pyramids on it. Well, yes, and we get into this, and you guys kind of said it, but it's kind of funny. You have stories of... Uh, Atlantis, and if you look actually off the coast of Florida, there's an island. I think it's called the Bimini Islands. The Bimini, and the, underneath they have the Bimini Road. The Bimini Road, and the Bimini Road implies when you look at all the stones that were there that they are cut and under. They recently, I say they. There's a new uh, series on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse, and they went to investigate Bimini Road and they looked at the rocks and they were like, you know, mainstream science is like those rocks is natural. On to more fun stuff, like how everything sucks and we're all going to die one day. <laughs> <laughs> and and they looked at this these blocks and the 
expert dudes who are experts in ge geology, rock formations, all that. They're like, all these rocks are cut at 90 degrees. They're all cut and, and placed in an, in an actual like formation. And then they went and dove and looked underneath the rocks. The rocks are all leveled and have basically shims, shims, Pat, shims. underneath the rocks so that they'd be level. They have smaller rocks placed underneath but them. But it was naturally made, Eddie. Listen, man, I'll make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff happens by accident all the time. <laughs> so it's just, and these these large, huge, like boulders, not boulders, cut stones are placed in a way that will cause them to be flat. And so there's a story, and there's, uh, this work gets even more fun. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. There's <laughs> stories of pyramidal structures being on uh, the, um, the Bimini Islands. Um, uh, we invoked uh, Lemuria, Atlantis, uh, this notion of there's no pyramids in the jungle. There are. Uh, the realization that the pyramids in Egypt, the big ones, the, the three big ones, don't have any sort of decor, decoration, no painting, no nothing on them. And this idea is if there is an idea of creating infrastructure that does generate a low-level electromagnetic field and you can broadcast it, then each major cultural center would have some of, the, some of that infrastructure. It's just like here in the modern world where we have major, most major cities have power plants and power generators. I mean, it's not a far leap to think that they're just tapping into a different style of technology to be able to generate power. Um, and Antarctica, if the climate was better and more uh, uh, appropriate for people to be able to do those things. Then... You come into the ancient map, several maps, but this one I focused on is the Piri Reyes map, which shows Antarctica, the coast of Antarctica, uh, with no ice. No ice whatsoever. And they actually depict ice for way further in as, it, as you get closer to the pole, but several, several hundred miles of just nice coast. And so everything from ancient maps, ancient cultures core samples and a pyramidal structure on the actual surface all point to a, a concerted effort to a potential civilization that was even on Antarctica, but that my mainstream uh, geologists and historians are like, nah, <laughs> looks dumb. We don't understand it, so therefore it doesn't exist. Everybody, stop, turn around, shake your fists. <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, the, I dug a little bit deeper and there are even, and this is where we can kind of go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, maybe we'll do a part two to this at some point because it's super interesting that underneath the ice, either around or even directly underneath that pyramid, is that either A, it's much bigger than it even appears now, like this whole, you know, uh, two kilometer square could just be what we're seeing, that it's actually... Once that ice and permafrost, there you go, Pat, were to melt off, you would actually get a bigger structure, or that there's a whole nother subterranean structure uh, getting into that whole um, uh, Admiral Bird type story with the underground mm -hmm. civilization in Antarctica. But that um, there are gravitational anomalies apparently above Antarctica to the extent of which that when you are talking about, we're back to the science part with GPS satellites that allow us to basically tell Siri to take me to the movie theater and drive there. Um, those satellites have to be, a, have to be like 
uh, geodetically like recalibrated to account for those gravitational anomalies because uh, apparently, like I said, around that general area, apparently around the poles, but specifically around Antarctica, gravity gets quote unquote weird and you will have uh, anomalies in the gravitational pull that can actually jack with orbits of satellites as they orbit around that, that pocket. So, and it's a known and proven thing that they have to re- they have to account for that on satellites that help us navigate. Yes, yes. And they go around. Oh well, it's the poles. It's what they do. They mess with our gravity just a little bit, and you know how gravity works, or even like navigation, and you know a little ta- a hair of a degree can throw something off quite a bit. Right. Uh, so these are very low distortions. It's not like you and I would walk around on Antarctica, I'm on the moon, look <laughs> at me, you know, but they're very subtle, but enough that they do affect satellites and that it's measurable and consistent. And they're like either A, there's something really big under Antarctica or whatever, but there's a, already there's a measurable gravitational anomaly around that, that same kind of area as well, around that landmass. So... You know, pyramids around the world are, are nothing new. I mean, w- immediately everyone thinks of the Great Pyramids at Giza, but I think the biggest pyramid that is known throughout the world is actually in like Croatia. Yeah. Right. Oh, really? the it's, mountain. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like an entire mountain. Uh-huh. Initially, they thought it was just like a mountain. Like, no, this thing's an actual pyramid. It's like symmetrical, and it's not as high. It's not as tall as the one in in Egypt, but yeah. the base is is bigger. Yeah. Like it's the biggest known pyramid. I remember this now. Yeah, is you're it right. Slovenia or Croatia? It's, it's it, one of those it's over Slavic, there in Eastern, yeah, Eastern Europe type type countries. I mean, almost Russia ish. But yeah. like, yeah, like they thought it was part of the mountain. Yeah. And it turns out they're like, no, we're pretty sure it was a, a man-made construct. My mind's still kind of blown that the Polynesians could have been descendants of Antarctica. Yeah. You know, I'm just thinking Moana, how far I'll go. That <laughs> pops into my head. <laughs> <laughs> will she go all the way to Antarctica? Maybe hey. she will. Hey, it's it's crazy when you have these ancient cultures that talk about their origin stories, and it's like, once again, we're back to this notion of believability and how it seems like mainstream science is so quick to throw out lore as uh, just you know silly stories. And so it's like you have a whole group of people saying, that's where we're from, that's where our ancestors came from, and then you have maps that show that area being you know, nice and habitable. And it's just it's it is funny, but 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 yeah, I agree. It's wow. just it's crazy to think, you know. Hey, you know, we all we all have a history, <laughs> right? Well, if they do end up visiting Antarctica nowadays, they're gonna have to dress. Those Polynesian people have to dress a little warmer. Don't yeah. go home. Yeah. A little more than a grass skirt Wear is gonna jacket. be needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets it gets pretty cold up there. What do they say? Like negative, like almost two hundred. <laughs> in some cases, like it's just it's just what an inhospitable environment. Which, by the way, is warming up more and more now. And yeah. so we're back to this notion of like we may not have to do much research when all the ice is gone, or most of the ice is gone. You know, but you throw on your tinfoil hat and you Uh-oh. you really take the conspiracy theory side of it. It's like, is there something buried underground there that the government doesn't want people to know about? Because as we, you know, maybe that's why it's throwing off the magnetic field yeah. too. Is there a huge alien civilization underground the the, the Antarctic? Because on that one episode, uh, you know, way way back, we talked about Admiral Byrd and all mm-hmm. that, and we started to go down the Antarctic rabbit hole. Yeah, y- it's like impossible to go to Antarctica. You can't, can't just go. say, yeah. "I just I want to go to Antarctica." You no. can't. Yeah. You literally can't. No, yeah. there's too many laws in place. Unless you're part of a research team, yeah. and even then, you'd be lucky to be able to get it's a ship not, to go. Not just a logistics thing. You've got governments and things you have to get around 
to visit some of these places. Oh, yeah. Like, you would need to go through so much red tape to be able to just go there yeah. that it's essentially impossible. Like, it has to be a governmental, like, like spearheaded thing because it's just not going to happen with a bunch of hobbyists who want to see if there's any pyramids out there. Right. Show me the aliens. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, you'd have better luck storming Area 51 again. <laughs> I got a buddy with a fan boat. We'll just get we'll in there. We'll do it. Get we'll in drive there, down there. We'll buy some extra gasoline. Get us down there. Yeah. Couple coats. You know, we'll drink our we'll sip a little whiskey, stay warm. Got some car hearts I can put on. Yeah. It's just not going to, a little tauntaun. <laughs> if it dies, I can climb inside its guts. <laughs> Keep myself safe. It's such an inhospitable environment. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, they do very con concentrated, like, hey, we're here for two weeks, we're here for a month, and then we're out. And it's all very, you know, generators and backup upon your backup. And, but yeah, I can't think of a more like crazy place to try to go investigate anything. But yeah, you cannot legally get there at all. Weird. Yeah. But what you can do, huh? ladies and gentlemen, is rate and review this show if you're heck, enjoying it so heck far. Yeah, you can. You know, we appreciate the support and uh, hit us up on all our socials Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Heck, send us an email to paranormaldads at gmail.com. Tell us a topic that you'd like us to cover. I, I promise you, if you email us with a suggestion, chances are we're going to cover it in the near future. Yes. We thrive off of feedback. Uh, like Andy said, a uh, big thank you to all of our uh, helpers and, and listeners and also the people who provide us with some of our sound effects, uh, freesound.org, and also, uh, yeah, on that one. And stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to be uh, celebrating the holidays, so uh, stay tuned for that. That's right. We're going to jingle your bells and deck your halls. So you got that to look forward to. But uh, put a bow on another fun episode. It's always fun doing this with you guys. Man. Always. Always a good time. Season's greetings, folks. Take care, everybody. Catch you next time. And it's all AI? It's all AI-driven. Yeah, it's how they get your information. That's how they get you. That's <laughs> how they get you. I don't Get trust it. I shake my fist at it. I don't see it. Get your fist out, everybody. Put it up in the sky. Now shake it. Yeah, shake it. Bring me my blunderbuss. <laughs> get my gun. They came out with a gosh darn new app again. Coming to get us. <laughs> Facial recognition.